everybody. Welcome to the Unscripted Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Daniel Hummer. I'm here with my brother, Doug. You. It's just the two boys tonight. Uh, Eric's not here. Clement isn't here. Uh, how are we doing today, Doug? I think we're doing pretty good. Okay. I'm pretty sure. That's always good. Uh, we got a big one today. Uh, something that's old as hell. Not just you. <laughs> I was just going to say, like, this thing is a year younger than me. <laughs> Uh, so watch it, bub. AWA Super Clash 2. Uh, we we watched this uh, yesterday, and we're going to be reviewing it, talking about it. Uh, before we do all that, let's go to Doug with the plugs. All right, make sure you listen to Boxman and Smart, the wrestling outlet. Uh, every Wednesday night, Mixer.com slash wrestling outlet. Uh, they can be found on all major podcast platforms around 10, 15, 10, 20-ish Eastern time, Wednesday nights after AEW is over with. Then you can also catch them as the Hollywood Hangout, Saturday nights, 9.30 p.m. Eastern time, uh, Mixler.com slash Hollywood Hangout. You're going to catch us uh, 6.30 p.m. Eastern time every Friday night for the Unscripted Wrestling Podcast blogtalkradio.com slash everything unscripted. Uh, next week, we're going to be doing a top 10 moments and matches of Rick Martel. I'm going to get the poll up probably tomorrow. That is the plan. Right. We'll see if it works. Uh, and then uh, so everybody gets to vote on the top 10 moments and matches. So that is next week's episode, and then we'll update everybody on what's going on in the next few weeks in the next few weeks. Uh, tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, here on blogtalkradio.com slash everything unscripted, unscripted unlimited. And I believe we're going to finish off what we started last week, correct? Yes. Uh, our DC tier list, part two. Yeah. Which part one was fun uh, for all of you Superman fanboys out there. Uh, I haven't gotten your hate mail yet. Uh, so... <clears throat> Uh, Bobby thinks you're a dick. <laughs> Bobby thought I was a dick since for the last 20 years. Uh, but uh, so make sure you listen to that. Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern time for the Stabcast with Daniel and Mindy. Yes. Uh, what are we doing? Or what are you guys doing? <laughs> Freddy versus Jason. And we're also going to be... Pitching our own ideas for horror movie crossovers. That ought to be exciting. Yeah. Uh, so make sure you listen to that. Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, also, check out our eBay store, DDE Collectibles. Uh, got some auctions ending tomorrow. Uh, going uh, to list some new items uh, tomorrow as well. I put a video up on Facebook. I'm going to put another video up because I got more stuff in that I do plan on putting up. We're going to get some Hasbros up there. We're going to get some X-Men up there. We're going to get some loose Ninja Turtles. I got a Street Fighter that's going to go up. I got some uh, loose LJNs that are going to go up. Uh, we might put some comics up there. Not sure yet. Uh, got a lot of got a lot that I plan on putting up there tomorrow. Uh, hopefully, I don't lose interest after a half hour like I usually do. Right. But check that out. We've been doing real well. We're starting to figure out what sells and what doesn't. Yes. Uh, and just an FYI, naked pictures of me do not sell. Uh, I'll try. Well, we don't need to talk about that. Okay. Uh, 
Only Dugs. Yeah. And then, of course, check out our buddy. You just got that joke. Yeah. <laughs> check out our... I saw the look on your face. You didn't understand at first. And then you're like, oh. Yeah. Uh, then check out our buddy Sean on YouTube, Elite Diplodoc. And is he back with the Sneaky Fetty? Yes, on Twitch. On Twitch. All right. So check that out. I'm going to shut up now. Well, at least until the next time you throw it to me. Uh, and make sure for the Stabcast, make sure to check out Mindy on TikTok and Facebook. Because uh, she's been doing a lot of content for the Stabcast. So it's really good. So check that out. Yeah. And, uh, and oh, and I'm also going to put up like more like uh, videos hyping up like our shows and stuff cool. on uh, Facebook since I have a phone now that is you know, less than 100 years old. Yes. That is Facebook slash Doug Hummer. Yeah. All right. Let's get into it. AWA Super Clash 2. Kind of give the background behind this, Doug. Uh, we're in the Cow Palace. We got 2,800 uh, in San Francisco, California. Uh, now, the Cow Palace sits more than that. <laughs> yeah. All right, so a lot more. <laughs> all right, so I, I'm going to give you a background on the AWA's relationship with the Cal Palace and with San Francisco. Period. Okay. Uh, but anyway, so like back in she's back. Uh, back when Vince McMahon first kind of took over. Uh, you know, obviously the wrestling world. Yes. Uh, AWA had always, or San Francisco had always been a big city for the AWA because Roy Shire had partnered up, or Roy Shire, who was a promoter in San Francisco, had kind of partnered up with with Vern and uh, Pat Patterson and Ray Stevens were the big attraction there. So Pat and Ray became big in the uh in the AWA. Well, when Vince McMahon first uh, began the monopoly of wrestling, uh, Vince would go, according to Greg Gagne, Vince would go to the TV stations and say, I want, you know, whoever's time slot. Or So in this case, like in San Francisco, I want AWA's time slot. I don't want another slot. If I'm going to be on your network, it's got to be AWA's slot. That's the way Vern tells, or Greg tells the story. And so they'd be like, all right, and he would give them money, and then, like, there would be a bidding war, and then Vince would pay them, like, the final amount he wanted to pay them for the time slot, and also extra money not to go back to them and ask for more money. Yeah. Okay? So they did that, and San Francisco kind of fucked over Vern. So, like, for a while, they weren't on San Francisco TV. Or, like, they weren't in the same... Well, no, that's... Or they had to go to like a different TV station. Shut up, I see you're talking. Where's that peanut? peanut? Yeah. All right. Keep going, peanut. Uh, so, like, um, so here with this event, it was the reason why it wasn't there wasn't a lot of people there. Is one, the AWA was technically dying because they were losing guys to Vince, and it just it wasn't as hot as it was like five years earlier. Yeah. Uh. But, like, with this event, this pretty much was going to be 
the ultimate passing of the torch. Nick Bockwinkle was 54 years old at this point. It was time for him to hang it up. Yes. Uh, so with you know with him hanging it up, uh, they needed a new a new face of the company. It was going to be Kurt Henning. Now, Kurt Henning had been with the company for a couple of years, or for a few, few years. His father had wrestled, is a longtime AWA mainstay, Larry the Axe. And uh, Kurt was starting to become a major heel. And he, they had a 60-minute time limit on AWA TV. Uh, actually, on, like, end of December uh, 86, Kurt went to Japan for a few weeks. He came back. He had a bad attitude. And, you know, this is where they started the the build-up for, for this match. Right. Now, this was not a pay-per-view. Right? This was technically, it was a live event that they broadcasted. Uh, I believe it was, it's on home video on VHS. Uh, it's on the network, obviously. That's how we got to watch it. But a lot of these matches, like, were taped also for uh, for television. Now, Superclass 3 was the pay-per-view, right? Correct. That's the one with Jerry Lawler versus Von Eric. Correct. Okay. Uh, but here, like, Vern wasn't even going to try, you know, going on paper because Vern was, was done with the whole – because, remember, Pro Wrestling USA was already – was a thing at one point, too – it was done by this time because Vern did not get along with the Crockett's. Right. Because uh, Vern was trying to sign the NWA guy or the Crockett guys while the Crockett guys were trying to sign the AWA guys. Right. Uh, but, yeah, no, the card was technically centered around this match, even though it wasn't the last match on the card, which is stupid. Uh, yeah, I mean, they did that a lot back then, though. Yeah, well, that's how Saturday Night's main event usually went. Yeah, I mean, I don't really agree with it. I think the main event should be the biggest match on the card of the title match, but... Yeah. Uh, it is what it is. Uh, I thought, you know, going into this, I mean, we all know, to me, AWA is known as, like, one of the most boring territories. Yeah, uh, I can't... It's funny, uh, back about 12, 14 years ago... Uh, they signed a deal, AWA did, uh, to get, like, certain, like, uh, matches or certain episodes of AWA Championship Wrestling from ESPN because ESPN still owned some of those matches. Uh, they they put a, uh, had a deal to put them on ESPN Classic when ESPN Classic was a channel. Yeah. So it would come on, Lord help us, one in the morning – uh, but, like, a lot of times I would stay up to watch it because I was a wrestling fan, so I, yeah. I was okay with that. Or, like, one in the morning, and then I – oh, I actually, no. At one point, I think they moved to midnight. How gracious of them. Mm-hmm. And Bapa and I would sit up, and we would watch AWA Championship Wrestling, you know, on ESPN. Yeah. Uh, and we would kind of get, you know, re-familiar with the certain guys in this era. Oh, 
and a lot of it would be focused on, especially the episodes from 86 to 88, a lot of it would be focused on Kurt Hennig. Yeah. Because he was their guy. And he was good. He was very good. He was starting to develop that Mr. Perfect persona. Yeah. Uh, you could tell, too. Yeah. A little bit. Uh, so the one thing, the interesting thing about this Super Clash that is kind of not unlike the first one or the third one, this is mainly AWA guys, not like NWA and, uh, well, not NWA, but World Class and uh, right. Memphis and shit. Because that's what the Super Clash was initially, right? All the like little guys coming together. That was Pro together. Wrestling USA. In 1984, uh AWA and all the territories that were part of the NWA at the time uh-huh. were uh, decided to form this thing called Pro Wrestling USA because they wanted to combat Vince McMahon. Yeah. So AWA was getting the time slot on uh, on ESPN. Pro Wrestling USA got a time slot on ESPN. So did World Class on its own. Yeah. Uh, and basically what they would do is they would run cards – where uh, it would be, it was pretty much, I mean, the main ones that were involved were Crockett, World Class, Watts was involved, kind of, Pacific Northwest, which was Don Owen, and and Memphis, so Jerry Jarrett. And obviously, if I didn't say it yet, World Class. So, uh, and... Ole Anderson's Georgia Championship Wrestling was involved until Vince bought that out. Right. So that's what the first Super Clash was, was all those guys. That was, uh, and that was like their big attempt at at trying to put Vince out of business. Because that first Super Clash was at Kaminsky Park in Chicago, and that drew 23,000 people. Right. So... What, this first Super Clash? The first Super Clash in September of 85. That drew 23,000 people? Yes. Compared to the 2,000 people that this drew? Yeah. Or 23,000 or, or 20,000 or something like that. Well, yeah, Ric Flair was there. Yeah, Ric Flair, Russell Magnum, TA. Uh, the Road Warriors were there. Yeah. Exactly. Uh Super Clash 2, though, is what we're here to talk about. And uh, we start out the card here with Buck Zumhoff. Uh And I'm sorry, and I don't really like to talk about personal stuff, but scumbag outside of the ring. Terrible yeah. person. Uh, it's hard when we got to talk about people with checkered past like this, but uh, especially in pro wrestling, that kind of like makes people like heroes and stuff. That dude's certainly not a hero. He went up against, uh, as we know, General Adnan in yeah. uh, WWF. Uh, Sheik Adnan in this. Sheik Adnan LKC, who, uh, um, he, uh, what he's, what a lot of people don't know about him is he was actually a childhood friend of Saddam Hussein. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah, he went to school with Saddam. Holy cow. Uh, they were buddies? I believe so, yeah. 
He's actually he's got a book that he wrote in 2005 that's on Amazon that I'm actually almost thinking about spending the gift card from Dad on because I I want to hear I, I want to read like what kind of stories this guy has because he's been involved in a lot of stuff and a lot of controversy in wrestling. Yeah, but. Uh, and she here, like he was a manager, but he still did wrestle. Yeah. Uh, as far as I know, like this was pretty much just like a curtain jerk. Right. And it's, uh, I mean, I don't like uh, Buck Zumhoff, obviously. Uh, the what is he? The Prince of Rock and Roll. Uh, uh, they call him Rock and Roll Buck Zumhoff. Yeah, I mean, he's rotten in jail probably for the rest of his life. Yeah. Good riddance. But, uh, you know, it, it, it is what, it's just crazy that they allowed someone like him to be in pro wrestling for so long. The funny, that, well, it's not even funny. It's actually kind of sad and almost makes me question the character of the, the Ganyas. He got busted for, for the first time. He got busted the first time in 85 or 86. And when he got out of jail, they brought him back. He got busted again in 88. He got out of jail in 1990. They brought him back. Yeah. Was he that good of a wrestler? No. I mean, yeah, was, I thought his work sucked. He wasn't even that big of a draw, was he? He wasn't ever. I, he, he was popular in the early 80s. Uh, Hogan worked with him quite a bit when Hogan was a heel. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, there's still popularity or not, that's wrong. Yeah. So he's a, I mean, the first thing you see on his Wikipedia page is convicted sex offender. Right. Even before Professor. And Russell. the sad part is, and this is the last thing I'm going to say about it, his daughter called Greg Gagne and said, "What do I do? He, like, this is like I'm I'm scared." Yeah. And he goes, well, report it. Okay, you're telling him, you're telling her to report it, but yet when the fucker gets out on parole, you bring him back? Yeah. Very fucked up. And, you know, he worked for the WWF later on, too, as a jobber and stuff. So it's, uh, he's actually the first person that Undertaker ever put in a body bag. Uh, he had Triple H's first match. Right. So, uh. It's just crazy how how shit works. Well, out. more than likely Vince didn't know. Yeah, yeah, you know, he, you know, he probably just came out, showed up, asked, "Hey, can I?" Because uh, like they don't screen the jobbers. I mean, you should probably do a background check on everyone that works for a company. But uh, this match is like a one out of ten. I didn't even like it that much. I, it sucked. I give it a I give it a one and a half maybe. All right, next we got DJ Peterson taking on the Super Ninja. Uh, what do we think of this one? I went a 15-minute time limit, and to be honest with you, they should have cut it five minutes and given the victory to Peterson. You don't like the Ninja one? I mean, he was he was okay. Uh, I mean, he hung around mainly with Larry Zbysko. Yeah. But... I mean, Peterson, you're bringing him in, you know, big guy, six, five, six, six, or he's uh, six, or he's six, five, six, six, and he was trained by Lord Littlebrook. 
who buys away, obviously, by the fact that his name is Little Brook. <laughs> he's a tiny fella. Yeah, he's little. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, I, to me, it was just a match that was too long. AWA light, really loved going the distance in a lot of matches. Yeah, I think that's okay with entertaining wrestling. It's just, I mean, Ganya's style, just, it was very old school. And some of that stuff can be really good for, like, people in the old school wrestling group. I'd recommend this for them to watch. And, you know, it's some of it's really good old school wrestling. Some of it's kind of ass, though, too. It, not that good. And not even just because it's old. It's just, they didn't work that well. It's a, it's a lot of, you know, hammer locks and shit. Hammer locks, side headlocks, you know, get a wrist lock. Oh, yeah, so many wrist locks. Yeah. And toe holds and shit. Yeah. It's... But, uh, you know, for what it was, I mean, it was this match, I give it two out of ten. I give it a two. All right. One of the highlights of the card for me, next up, we got Sherry Martell against Medusa. Two, two people that everybody knows. Uh, she's got... Uh, Pretty boy Doug Summers with him, with her. Yeah. Doug Summers, former AWA champion, along with Playboy Buddy Rose. Uh, of course, Buddy Rose was gone by this time. He had went back to Portland. Yeah. Uh, Doug Summers, I think a lot of people, like, will... A lot of people, unfortunately, attribute him to Halloween Havoc 1991 when... He had to be a, a late substitution for heavy or heavy or late substitution to go against heavy metal Van Hammer. Really? Yeah, because Michael Hayes knew Michael Hayes was told, "Hey, you're going to put Van Hammer over," and he goes, "Oh no, I hurt my arm. I can't do it." <laughs> uh, I mean, he was lying. His arm was fine, of course. But uh, so they brought in oh. Doug Summers. Uh, and, and first of all, Van Hammer almost killed Doug Summers twice because he almost beheaded him in the turnbuckle because really? he threw him in with such force that uh, Summers' neck almost whiplashed. Holy shit. And then he went to hit the, the Hammer Rocks move, which was his slingshot suplex, but he didn't fall back enough. He dropped Doug right on his head. So when he went to cover him, Doug Summers said, fuck you, and kicked out of the finish. <laughs> but the referee counted three anyway, because, you know, that was the finish. That was Doug Summers' big moment. Yeah, and, and a lot of people, were trying, like Tony Schiavone still talks about it to this day. Like, yeah, Doug Summers, we're trying to get over a heavy metal van Hammer, and Doug Summers didn't like the way Hammer almost killed him. <laughs> What? So he had to kick out of it. So he kicked out of its finish. That's kind of funny. didn't like the way he almost killed him. I like Doug Summers. Maybe it's the name. I loved him in the AWA when he teamed with uh, Buddy Rose and the matches they had against the Midnight Rockers. And I talked about it on the show before. Yeah, and it seemed like a good. Uh, he seemed like a good pairing with Sherry too. Yeah, I didn't mind him with Sherry. Uh, Sherry and Medusa actually did pretty damn good. Yeah, and remember, around this time, Medusa was a rookie. Yeah. She had just gotten in the business. Sherry had been in a couple years. Yeah. Uh, 
And, I mean, they would both go on to have awesome careers as the managers. Right. But this just goes to show, and when I tried to put over Sherry on an episode of Settle It in the Ring that we did, is the greatest women's wrestler of all time, and you all looked at me like, who? The only one, well, not you, but like, no, like uh, Fedcheck and and Clintus and Eric and even Stevie, even though Stevie knows who Sherry is. Yeah. Uh, Like, you're all just like, really? You'd pick her as the greatest women's wrestler of all time? Go back and watch like this. Go back and watch old AWA footage. Yeah, she could wrestle. I mean, you're still wrong. But uh, <laughs> she's not the greatest of all. She's, she's not the, the greatest of all time. But I felt like she was the greatest of the three that were yeah presented in that argument, which I can't even remember who. She's the greatest, like probably female personality of all time. Yeah, I, I mean, a lot of her work, like she could work. She really could work, and she was good in the ring, and uh, she was a good women's champion here, and so was Med- and Medusa was a good talent as well. But uh, I never really, uh, you know attributed her with wrestling much because Vince didn't make her do it much. Early on, he did. I mean, she, uh, early on, he did. But then, like, when he realized that, hey, you know, she could cut a promo and she could get the guys over. Yeah. I just really remember her for being with Shawn Michaels in the Harlem Heat. I mean, don't forget when she was Sensational Queen, Sherry was Savage. Yes. I mean, that was that was a lot of her best work. It was good, yes. I mean, I prefer him with Elizabeth as a baby. Well, yeah. I like the Macho King, but it's neither here nor there. This was a good match. I I thought both girls, you know, did what they had to do. There was a lot of wrist locks, a lot of toe holds. Uh, It was a good airplane spin from Medusa before uh, Doug Summers kind of fucked. And it was like classic, you know, this is very, you know, kind of, this is a classic match. Not like classic, classic, but like old school. And uh, Sherry looked like a good heel, got the roll-up pin and won, and it was what it was. I give it, for for everything else on this card, I give it a six out of ten. I would say about six and a half, maybe. I thought it was a little better than some of the other stuff. Now the meat and potatoes, four matches in. Yeah, (laughs) on a seven-match card. (laughs) The world title match. Uh, our boy Nick Bockwinkle, who's the babyface in this, you would never know it by watching it, but he's the babyface against Kurt Henning. And Larry Zabisco's in a suit at ringside talking a bunch of shit. Yeah, because, well, I mean, he was told that he was the number one contender for the title. He had technically been chasing the title for a year. He wanted a shot. He wasn't given a shot. Uh, Stanley Blackburn, the AWA president, who basically – uh, looked like a dipshit Stan Lee. Uh, he was at ringside because he's the president and he's a... Which, by the way, I'll say this. If Stanley Blackburn's at ringside, you know there's going to be some kind of fuck finish. Yeah. Because he was never shown on TV. He never went to any uh, ringside at any of the matches unless he was going to do something fucking stupid at the end. Yeah. He's the one that, like, uh, the couple of times they teased Hogan winning the title. He was, uh, like, uh, the one time they did it at, uh, uh, I forgot what it was. I don't know. I don't think it was the Super Sunday. 
or no, it was at the Super Sunday in April of 83. Uh, he was at ringside. Hogan was wrestling Bockwinkle. And Hogan, uh, Hogan did something. He threw Bockwinkle over the top rope. Yes, I remember that. Okay? Yeah. He won the match. They gave Hogan the title. And then Bockwinkle came out and said, no, Hogan's not the champion. He threw Bockwinkle over the top rope. It's a disqualification. It was a no disqualification match. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and um, uh, and I apologize if Stanley Blackburn is well, – I, I mean, he was 100 years old back then. I don't think he still would be here. Yeah, I don't But if, he, if you're not here, Mr. Blackburn, I do apologize. But also, you were such a fucking dipshit that I have to talk shit about you. Uh-huh. Uh, he was the worst fucking authority figure. He makes Mike Adamley look like J.J. Dillon. <laughs> was J.J. Dillon that great of an authority figure, though? In WCW, I thought it was. He's all right. He was the first one that came to the top of my head. Yeah, he could do better. All right, he made uh, Mike Adamley look like uh, Mick Foley. Yeah. He make my made Mike Adamley look like William Regal. Yeah. I like All right, there Regal. we go. He's damn good. And I agree. Uh, this match was really good. And uh, I mean, the fuck finish sucked, obviously, and it went on way too long. But the actual in ring work, besides and. It was nice to know wrestling fans kind of didn't know, you know, who to cheer for back then either, because Nick Bockwinkel's the babyface and they're booing him. Yeah. And they're fucking going hard for Kurt Henning, who's the the heel. That's the only thing that took a little bit of the steam out of the match for me, because there was a lot of good near falls and there was a lot of good wrestling in this match. It was very fast paced between the both of them. It wasn't like a slow style. It was very fast. And, uh... Kurt Henning kept getting near falls on Nick Bockwinkle, and the crowd kept cheering when it's one, two, and then, you know, he would kick out, and then they're like, oh. It's like, that's not what you're supposed to do. <laughs> no. And what's funny is Ray Stevens, he's on the call with Rod Trongard, and Ray Stevens, who, by the way, was in a jumpsuit, and then the next match they showed. He was wrestling. Yeah. Um, He's Nick Bockwinkle's former partner, and Ray is also the reason why, you know, AWA still had the kind of relationship with, with San Francisco because Ray was a huge draw. Obviously not that big of a draw because they only did 2,800. Yeah. In a building that seats 20,000, by the way, or something like that. So, uh, but no, like this match for me, and, and I agree, like it, it took a lot of steam. The fact that, like, uh, the fans were, you know, in essence, not really doing their job, but it's just, or it's AWA kind of not doing their job and properly promoting who the babyface is and who the heel is. Well, I think it's more that they've been booing Nick Bockwinkle for, like, 20 years at this point. Yeah. <laughs> like, he was the heel for AWA for how many fucking years? Yeah. He was the, the heel. And just because he's an old fart now, that makes him a baby face? Yeah. So, I, th- I mean, it was a good passing of the torch. I did not mind the story. Larry Zabisco did not need to be there, especially if Kurt was going to win. It made no sense. Well, apparently Greg Gagne was booked 
uh, or Greg got into his book somewhere else. So instead of Vern having his son at ringside, he decided to have his son-in-law. Yeah. Larry Zabisco, I believe at this time, was already married to Vern Gagne's daughter. So Zabisco's, and I love Zabisco, but he, he was out there. He hit Bachwinkle with quarters at the end, well, the he, roller quarters. He gave, he gave the roller quarters to Kurt Henning to hit him with. Yes. Kurt hit him with the roller quarters, uh, won the match, gave him the title, and then, you know, uh, Ray Stevens came in bitching. Yeah, it was talking all bunch of shit. Ray Stevens loved the camera back then. Like I feel like every territory we watch, he pops up and he starts. <laughs> and he's like the main attraction. Yeah, like he's always there, and he was like always on the call and wrestling, no matter where he went. I mean, I like Ray Stevens. Well, he's always. I actually do like Ray Stevens. He was really good, but uh, he yeah, he's everywhere. And uh, he was here, and he was working, and he was doing his thing. He was pissed. He had a beautiful haircut, and he was talking to all sorts of shit. But this went on for way too long, though. This is like 15 minutes after the match. Ray Stevens looked like Kenny Lehman with blonde hair. Yeah. <laughs> and he was he was pissed off. And, uh, you know, Bachwinkle was pissed off. Well, Bachwinkle had no idea what the hell was going on. Yeah, but then he took the quarters. Uh, uh, Stevens grabbed the quarters out of... Or, like, grabbed Zabisco's arm and the quarters fell out. And yeah. And that's when they vacated the title. And... Yeah. Which, by the way, like, the referee, Gary DeRuja... Uh, he basically, he is the original dumb fuck referee. Doesn't call when, uh, you know, fuckery goes on at ringside, even when it's right fucking in front of him. But yet if he sees like another referee missing a call, he'll be the first one to go out there. Like he makes referees look really stupid. Yeah. He was the original wrestling referee to do such a thing. And by the way, the only reason why the fucker got the job as the head referee is because his father worked in the front office. Right. Uh, but, uh, so, uh, Al Darugia, thank you so much. You could have had a better son. Next time, well, not next time. I don't think you're here anymore either. But, you know, your semen should have done better. There you go. Get better semen. <laughs> Get your come up. Yeah. Come up? <laughs> I guess so. Uh, yeah, this match, I give this match a 7 out of 10, though. I, yeah, I would do the same thing. Like, I would have said 9, but all the fuckery at the end, although, uh, my original thing would have been six, but because Kurt Henning slapped Gary DeRuja and went back <laughs> up to seven. Now, if somebody would have just fucking popped Blackburn in the mouth, I would have given it an eight and a half. Yeah. Uh, fucking old looking son of a bitch. And it was funny because DeRuja was actually sticking up for Kurt when he punched that, him. That's <laughs> the funny thing is that, like, Zabisco, because he even came in to say, hey, you know, I didn't see it, therefore I, I, I couldn't call it. I didn't see what happened. It didn't look like he hit him, but like as he was trying to explain it, that's when Kurt punched him in the mouth. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, poor Kurt, he was trying to cut a promo and talk, and then Zabisco just came in and stole his light. Yeah. It's like, you know, wait your fucking turn, dude. Let Kurt talk. There's two things Larry Zabisco does not know how to do. There's two words he doesn't know, really know. Shut or up. Yeah. He loved the spotlight. Oh, my God. 
But uh, and Nick Bockwinkel for Nick Bockwinkel being old here. How old was he here? Fifty-four. For him, he's still alive. No, he's dead. Uh, but for being fifty-five years old, fifty-four years old, he worked pretty damn good here. Yeah, and what's funny is that he would continue another couple of months, and then he would retire, and actually took a uh, agent job in the WWF. Yes. So even like. Everybody left at one point to go to the WWF. I mean, Ver, or Nick would come back. Yeah, I think at, at certain points. But even like the older guys, because we were getting to a point here to where all Vern wanted to push. The only guys Vern wanted to push were the guys that worked for him in the seventies, because that's all he could trust. He wrestled a couple more times though, didn't he? Do something in WCW? Oh yeah, he had uh, with fucking uh, Dory. Wasn't it him and Dory? At that Slamboree, right? Yeah. We watched that well, like a year ago or something. Yeah, it was the Slamboree 93 was a legend for you. Did he wrestle Dory? Did he he didn't wrestle Vern, did he? No, Vern would no, have been. No, it wasn't Vern. Can't remember who it was. Uh, yeah, Dory. It was Dory Fox Jr. Okay. Uh, I mean, that would have been a good match in the 60s. Yeah, it would have been a great match in the 60s. I don't know about 90, what? Three. 93, yeah. But, uh, yeah, Nick Bockwinkle's a legend, and uh, he was getting old here, but he was still, you know, he was hanging in there. And him and him and Kirk did good work together. This was really good. Uh, all the fuck finishes kind of ruined it, but before that, it was a really good match. Let's move on. We got the Midnight Rockers, a uh, pair of guys that you might know very well. Shawn Michaels uh, ended up doing some work. And Marty Jannetty, the man that rubbed my back at a convention. That's he what he's most famous for. <laughs> and Ray Stevens, who was just on the call of the last match against Buddy Wolf, Pretty Doug Summers, Pretty Boy Doug Summers, and Kevin Kelly, who is Mr. Magnificent, who also did a stint as uh, Nails. Nails. And is not the chubby announcer from the 90s. No. That's uh, a different Kevin Kelly. Correct. Um, also the Kevin Kelly that did the announcing in the mid nineties and also was the voice of ring of ring of honor for almost 10 years actually has more talent than this. Uh, he looked good here though. He was fucking jacked. The funny thing is in the AWA, because he was so young, he was still at his peak. Like if you watch this match here, this six man, even though it went 16 minutes and probably could have shaved a couple minutes off. They did a hell of a job, and Marty Jannetty took one hell of an ass. He took a Ricky Morton-type ass whooping, and he sold the shit out of it. Uh, and it was just, um, it, it was so well done. And Marty Jannetty, because a lot of people have said that they thought Marty Jannetty was going to be the star of the team, because they thought he was a better worker. Yeah. And here, like, he sold the – I mean, and Sean was good around this time, too. I mean, they had – the matches they would have with Doug Summers and Buddy Rose were, like, some of the uh, most classic matches I had ever seen. Yeah. Okay? And they both took, like, a lot of punishment and shit. But he, in this six-man, like, they beat the shit out of Marty, and he just, he sold it beautifully. Yeah. Who got the pin? Stevens pinned uh, Doug Summers. Right. 
He pinned him without trying to kill him. <laughs> Apparently Van Hammer never saw that. Van Hammer was your boy, too. But uh, I was young and stupid. Yes, you were. And now you're old and a genius. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say old and not as stupid. <sighs> a little more stupid. Uh, <laughs> uh, this was all right. This was, uh, it was okay. It was pretty good. I give it a five out of ten. I would actually give it a six. I, I liked most of the guys in this match. I'd probably bump up to a six, too. Uh, Kevin Kelly looked like a million bucks. Uh, Doug Summers was pretty cool. And uh, I liked the other team of Ray Stevens and the Midnight Rockets. And Buddy Wolf had that fucking, like, rat tail in the back. Yeah, that, that was no good. But uh, this match was fun. It was decent, and it, it was a good time. Yeah. Uh, now, let's go to Jerry Blackwell and Boris Zukov. Jerry Blackwell, uh, known as Crusher, too, right? Crusher Jerry Blackwell, uh, wrestling Boris Zukov. Now, Blackwell had had, up to this point, a three-year feud with Sheik Adnan on LKC's uh, army. Yes. Sheik's army. Because Blackwell used to be part of the Sheik's army. And he was a babyface, right? He was a babyface here, yeah. And what had happened was... Back in 84, you know, when Hulk Hogan, you know, went up north uh, to have a, you know, mediocre career in the WWF, uh, Vern wanted Jerry Blackwell to be the AWA's top babyface. So they started booking him real strong and all that, and they brought in uh, Bruiser Brody to work with him. Yeah. The issue is, is that Jerry Jerry Blackwell was one. He was diabetic. Yes. And he also had a lot of foot problems. He had the gout. He had gangrene. By '86, he could not move. Who, Jerry? Yeah. He was a big boy. Well, yeah, he was 450 pounds, so diabetes was going to get him. Yeah. And then, like you know, with the gout, he would have to hold. Uh himself up against the ropes. He could not stand in the middle of the ring. Yeah, it's nuts. But he was still over. Yeah, he was like a, a big star, too. Yeah. Uh, I think had not his health gotten to him. Uh, <laughs> had not his health gotten to him. He probably would have been a huge star in the AWA. Misty, I will come over there and I will shove this water bottle up your ass. <laughs> it will be okay. I will go check it out. You might as well start calling them Doug and Mindy. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, I mean, he – and Boris Zukov, by the way. This is pre-Bolshevik Boris Zukov, by the way. The Bolsheviks? Yeah. Well, pre-Bolshevik. I like Boris a lot. I, he was a really good worker. He was. He was good in the Bolsheviks, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I I liked this match. I thought it was good. I mean, Jerry was having kind of problems moving, but besides that, I, I give this one a 5 out of 10. I would give it a 5 as well. It would have been, I mean, Buck Zumov did not need to be out there. I mean, I know Sheik was out there with Boris and Buck was trying to get revenge for, you know, 
losing earlier on in the night, but stay in the back. Yeah. Stay in the back and put on your ankle bracelet. All right, let's go to the main event. Uh, Jimmy Snuka and Russ Francis, the football player. For the From 49ers. the San Francisco 49ers. Against a name that probably doesn't age well, the terrorist and the mercenary. By the, I, one of them was subbing for Colonel De Beers. You know the terrorist is Brian Nobbs, right? Yeah. That's fucking dope. <laughs> yeah, this was... The and, mercenary uh, was Ron Fuller? Yeah, that's Colonel Robert Parker. No, uh, that was his brother. Oh, okay, okay. The Tennessee stud, Ron Fuller. That was the mercenary. Yeah. Uh, I love knobs. Well, and here's the funny thing. is, I believe the terrorist deal actually helped him get uh, get hired by the AWA. Because him and Sags, because uh, Sags would come in like just a few weeks after this. And they would start teaming as the Nasty Boys. Right. But uh, yeah, no, you could tell that the that the uh, terror was terrorist was uh, knobs because the terrorist was fucking huge. I love knobs. Yeah, uh, and Jimmy Snuka, another problematic man, but we're not going to get into that. Uh, this match was all right. And, I mean, the splash at the end of Francis hit was god awful. He's <laughs> not a trained wrestler. Yeah. He had one other match besides this, and that was a battle royal. Yeah, he was he wasn't that good. But he tried his best. Uh no, he he did. And again, that's kind of the issue with football players. Yeah. Is they're not well trained. I mean, people used to give shit to Mongo for the fact that, you know, he wasn't that great of a wrestler. He came from football. I and in football they don't teach you how to wrestle. No. Unless you play football and wrestle at the same time like you did at one point. And this was like a year after Russ won the Super Bowl, by the way. Yeah. Well, yeah, they were the 86 uh, champions. Yeah, and he played a key role in that. Yeah, that's when they beat – who did they beat that year? The Patriots, maybe? No, no, the Patriots – the 85 Super Bowl was uh, Patriots and Bears. Who the hell was 86? Uh, I can tell you in a second. Uh, the Super Bowl. Oh, the Dolphins. Yeah. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, you were there. Uh, no, I just remember it happening. Yeah, they won the uh, they won the Super Bowl. So he's a big fucking deal. Yeah. And uh, he came. He, I mean, he got good cheers. Him and Snooker were very over. So. The people loved them. It, it, this was all right. I give this one a six out of ten. I would give it. I would give it a six too. I, I thought it was decent. It was. I mean, this whole show to me is kind of mediocre at best. Yeah. Uh, my final thoughts on it was that I, I thought there was some good stuff. I liked a lot of the names here. Uh, Vern Styles just not for everybody uh, of how he booked, but it was very matter of fact, and that's the way he wanted it. Uh, but I, I didn't. I didn't mind this card. I thought it was all right. It, it wasn't the best thing I've ever seen, but it's not the worst either. 
Um, Medusa and Sherry were a highlight. Uh, Bachwinkle and Henning were a highlight. Uh, the main event was all right, and the Rockers were pretty good. So uh, overall, I'd probably give this show a, a 5 out of 10. Yeah. So this is the first time we've ever reviewed an AWA show on, on this podcast. Yes. Uh, I think I, I've talked about possibly doing it a couple of times. Did Clintus ever try to call in? He'd already hang up by now. Keep going. Uh, but uh, like it's first time you know we've ever done an AWA show on this podcast. I, I tried, I think, to bring it up a few times, but I got the side eye. Uh-huh. Uh, but like AWA again, like you said, it's not everybody's territory, and it, it's very like boring. Like now, like you know, back like ten, twelve years ago mainly because I was, like, super, super, well, I'm still super into the older wrestling, but I, I kind of liked it because I didn't really remember it a lot when I was a kid. Because by the time I was, like, four or five and really getting into it, like, they had closed up. Yeah. And, uh, like, so, um, you know, if you watch it for the first time, like, you kind of get into it, and then... After a while, it's just like, oh, my God, this is really boring. This show had its boring moments, but it did have some exciting moments. I would give it a five and a half. Yeah, I, I think we're around the same page. I, I thought it was pretty good. The, there was some things that could be better. But uh, overall, for an AWA show, it was pretty good. And we'll do another one at some point. Yeah. If there's any more to watch that were, like, fully televised. Super Quest 3 would be a fun one to do. That's like everybody, though. But, uh, yeah, we will see everybody next week for our big Rick Martell episode. That poll should be going up tomorrow. Uh, I just got to figure out, like, what match. <laughs> I got to actually come up with enough matches and moments to put on the right to put on the poll. You got anything else, Doug? Uh, again, check out the eBay store. Uh, going to have some more stuff up there tomorrow. God, I'm going to be posting a lot of stuff. Jesus so make sure to check out Doug's Facebook where he's going to be posting all of his nudes. And with that, we will see everybody next week. Yeah. Uh, we'll definitely see everybody next week uh, if I don't get put in jail for posting those nudes. <laughs> yeah, you'll probably get in a lot of trouble for cracking phone screens everywhere. Yeah. Uh, usually, like the only time I've ever really been uh, busted for indecent exposure is usually just showing my face in places. I'll do it. All right, Doug. We'll see everybody next week. Uh, Have a good night. All right. Night, everybody. I'll see you around. Yeah.